Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of The Database with Rev. Yeshua Eisenberg. I'm Rev. Yeshua Eisenberg, and you've just entered The Database. Now, for today's issue, we're going to talk about one of the rarest, if not the rarest, of all Haftaros, and that is the Haftarah for Parshas Miketz. But before we do, I want to just remind all of you that if you enjoy this podcast and you would like to have schos and a partnership in spreading the Torah for this podcast, so you can simply send me an email at thedatabase at gmail.com and you can offer a sponsorship, $18 from Meiser for Harbatzas Torah, and you can dedicate it to anyone. So all you have to do is, again, reach out to me at the database, that's the data, and then base, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com. Okay, now when it comes to the Haftarah for Parshas Miketz, so what typically happens is that Parshas Miketz almost always falls out on Shabbos Chanukah. And because of that, the actual Haftarah of Parshas Miketz is typically replaced by that of the Shabbos Chanukah Haftarah, which is taken from Zechariah, from the early Prakim, Perak Beis, a little bit of Perak Dalet. So the, what, what results is that Miketz's actual Haftarah is only read in the rare situation, like this year, when Shabbos Chanukah falls out in the week of Parshas Vayeshev, which was last Shabbos. So for this reason, Miketz, well, the Haftar for Miketz anyway, is fascinatingly one of the most rarely read Haftaros. So now, before we get to the actual Haftarah, let's just break the talk a little bit quickly what, what a Haftarah is. So Haftarah is the portion from Navi that's read after the Kriya Satora on Shabbos, so you have a Haftarah on a Tainus Tzibor as well. Um, but for the, for the Haftarah, there are many theories as to what the basis for reading a portion of Navi is. And one of the classical theories is actually very related to Hanukkah, ironically. And that is that well, during um, the times of Antiochus, there was a decree against the reading, a public reading of Torah. And so what they, what the Bnei Israel did was they took upon themselves to read pieces of Navi in the place of the Torah portion. And the idea being was that hidden in the, in the, in the Navi portion would be allusions to themes and concepts from the Torah portion. So the hope and the, the expectation, and usually we find this, and you can look in the, in the art scroll Chumash, the stone Chumash, the, or many other different kinds of, of Haftarah-related um, books or commentaries, and they'll try to find what the connection is between the Haftarah and the Parsha. So that brings us to the discussion of the Haftarah for Parsha Smikates. Now, as uncommonly read as this Haftarah is, the section itself is a famous one, taken from Malachim Aleph. It's a Perak um, Gimel, starting from Pasuk Tesvav, and it goes till Perak Dalad, just the first Pasuk. It's the story of Shlomo HaMelech and the two Zonos, or the two harlots, who were disputing, there was a litigation over the one living baby. Right, that famous story. So the Haftar picks up after Shlomo HaMelech's dream, where Hashem offers him whatever he wishes, and Shlomo HaMelech famously requests wisdom. When Shlomo awakens, he finds two female litigants contending for the custody of the baby, each one arguing that the dead baby belonged to the other and that the live baby belonged to her. 
And Shlomo Melech famously orders his men to bring him a sword and declares the following compromise. The baby should be cut in half, split that baby, and each one will be able to receive half a share. And of course, the woman who refused the compromise and offered away the child to spare the child's life was going to be deemed the child's real mother. And we see this, uh, again, it's a famous story. The, it's it's kind of fascinating how one woman says, oh, you know, just, just, uh, um, let, let, um, let, just split the baby. And the other woman says, no, how could you? That's that, you know, just, just give the baby to the other. And, and, and again, the, 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 the idea is that Shlom HaMelech is, is really intelligent, he's really wise, he came up with this, with, this, with this scheme, so to speak, to figure out who the real mother was. Now, there's a lot of famous questions asked about this story. How, like, um, how intelligent do you have to be to come up with this? Yes, it's a clever compromise, a clever ruse to, to find out who the real person, who the real mother was. But uh, again, is, is it the most intelligent thing anyone has ever come up with? Is there a reason why the, the fake mother would ever fall for such a thing? So the Mepharshim do talk about the intelligence of Shlomo HaMelech. There's a Malbim that I am, I'm, a, I'm a real fan of. A lot of the Mepharshim um, address this question, mostly Achronim. Um, but the, that, that, the idea that a lot of them understand is that Shlomo HaMelech um, actually figured out who the real mother was before the trick, but the trick was just to demonstrate to everyone who else was watching. So and again, there were no witnesses, there were no, there were no fathers um, in the story. So we, we just have these two Zonos. So the point is that's the, that's the story, and you can see some of the other commentators to, uh, to understand exactly what, what is the true wisdom of Shlomo HaMelech. The Malbim um, just picks up on the language of the two uh, women and how Shlomo HaMelech recognized from their language who the real mother must have been. But anyway, that's the basic story that we have there. Now, the question that I want to address is the classical Haftarah question, and that is, what does this story of Shlomo HaMelech's wisdom have to do with Parshish Miketz? So there are some decent surface connections between Miketz and Shlomo's story that have been offered, and some of them you could find, like in, again, in places like the Stone Chumash. So for example, both sections begin with a king waking up from a dream. In Miketz, it was Paro, and Shlomo HaMelech obviously wakes up from a dream in this Parsha. But my issue with that connection is that if the dream factor was the main connection, then Shlomo HaMelech's dream should have been included. And in fact, it's not, suggesting that in the Haftarah, the dream is of minimal significance. Moreover, our Sidra is hardly about Paro. And so some point out another parallel, perhaps a better parallel, between not Shlomo HaMelech and Paro, but Shlomo HaMelech and Yosef HaTzadik, both who ruled kingdoms and displayed great wisdom. And maybe, as it happens though, the most obvious part of Miketz, which highlights Yosef's wisdom, is perhaps found at the very beginning of the Parsha, when Paro praises Yosef after Yosef interprets his dream, and he provides a solution to the national issue, the national problem that was about to come, the hunger, and Paro raves about Yosef's ingenuity. But even that aspect of Miketz is hardly the theme of Miketz. The bulk, I would say, of, of Parshas Miketz is devoted to the story of the actual famine when Yosef's brothers descend to Mitzrayim. 
my point is that even though the wisdom of these respective rulers, right, Shlomo HaMalach and Yosef Tzadik, certainly an important part of the story, but we would argue that maybe Parshish Miketz is about so much more than that. So the question is, is there more to this relationship between the larger story of Parshish Miketz and this very rare Haftarah about Shlom HaMelech's court case with these two uh, women? Now, I think the answer is that if we look closely at the larger story in Parshish Miketz, we'll see that there is, in fact, an astounding connection between the story of Shlomo HaMelech's court case with the two women and everything that takes place in our Parsha. Now, before we get to this, I'm going to let you in on a secret that if you listen to this podcast, which you are already doing, I don't need to motivate you to do it because you've already chosen to listen to it, but what you should know is that this is actually a bit of a sneak peek into what we're going to see in Parsha Panorama this week. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to listen to Parsha Panorama. Of course you have to listen to it, and there's going to be so much more in Parsha Panorama. But if you can get through this particular podcast, by the time you get to Parsha Panorama for Parsha Smeekates, you will have a lot of great background and you will better appreciate the content of Parsha Panorama for Parsha Smeekates. And when we get there, Be'ez Ras Hashem, you'll have a very full picture. Now, let's come back to this particular Real Talk Torah and talk about the Haftarah. Okay, so, again, what's the connection between the court case of Shlomo HaMelech and the two women and the story of Yosef and everything that happens in Parshish Miketz? So, Yosef does, yes, demonstrate some of his wisdom before Paro, but I would say that his true genius comes out in the larger story of Miketz during the famine when Yosef sees his brothers once again. Yosef, unrecognized by his brothers, he puts on a charade and displays some very strange behavior. He interrogates them carefully and persistently, accusing them of being spies. He takes Shimon hostage, and he orders that they bring their remaining brother, Binyamin, down to Mitzrayim. And we know the story. He returns their money without their realizing it. The brothers are disturbed and they're confused. And if you follow the flow of the story, you should be confused too. Why was Yosef doing all of this? If he wants to harm them, he obviously could. And if he wants to help them, for example, by returning their money, you know, you could also return their money without the charade, you know, without pretending to be mean, without pretending to be harsh and scary. So the question is, what is Yosef trying to get out of all of this? Like, what, 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 what does the charade benefit Yosef? What's Yosef trying to, to accomplish? And of course... There's the other famous question that's asked, which we're going to again address at, um, at Parsha Panorama. Why did Yosef not immediately reveal himself and ask to be reunited with his father, Yaakov Avinu? For whatever reason, it seems that Yosef was not ready to go back. And it's not just that he wasn't ready to go back, but he felt perhaps morally and perhaps his, his particular avoda was not to, to, to reveal himself yet. Now, it could be Yosef didn't truly know or trust his brothers that his father was still alive. And perhaps for all Yosef knew, maybe Yaakovina didn't want to see him again. There, There is such a contemporary approach like that, even though you don't find that in the classical Mepharshim, 
And we'll, we'll bring that back to the surface, that Parsha Panorama. But um, if everything is true, so we can understand now why, again, why does ya- Yosef lock Shimon in prison and order the brothers to bring down Binyamin? Apparently, Yosef did this because he needed to somehow assure that his brothers would come back to him with Binyamin. Right? Like, that's why, that's the whole point of a hostage. Give me, you know, I, I'll give him back when you give me something that I want. Apparently, Yosef wants Binyamin. Now, the question is, why did Yosef care to see Binyamin so much? Did he just want to see his maternal brother again? And what about seeing his father? Maybe Yosef should have said, bring my father down. That, that, that would have been an interesting idea. Or not, not, he shouldn't have said, bring my father, right? That would have been giving up the trade. He should have said, bring down your father. Now, it could be, you could argue simply because their father was old, and that would have been, um, you know, Yosef would have been able to understand that they didn't want to bring him down. Okay, fine. But when we get to the end of Parshish Miketz, we learn why Yosef wanted Binyamin down there in the first place. Yosef's strange behavior continues as he plants his goblet into Binyamin's sack in order to frame him as the thief and sentence him to a lifetime as a slave. Now, why would he do this? Why would Yosef want to frame the innocent Binyamin? The only possible reason for doing that was that he was trying to gauge people's reactions. My question is, what kind of reaction was Yosef looking for? And the answer very clearly, and this is what you see from the Mepharshim, is that Yosef was looking to see if his brothers would stand up for Binyamin even if they thought he was guilty, or if they would instead repeat their earlier sin of selling their brother out, as they had done once long ago to their brother Yosef. Aside from Yosef, Binyamin was the only remaining son of Rachel. We know that there was certainly a lot of tension and heat between Yosef, who was the firstborn of Rachel, and his half-brothers, who were mothered by Leah. And that bitter rivalry was the cause of Mechiras Yosef. Yosef wanted to know, or not wanted, but he needed to know. Because right? Yosef, Yosef wasn't, you know, wasn't planning on continuing to, to harm his brothers. He was going to sustain them. But the question of, can I reveal myself to them, Will, you know, will, will, will there be peace between us? And also, you know, the, the, just the, 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 the unity that, that, that they're looking to create. So this whole entire plan, Yosef needs to know. And so what did Yosef do? Yosef knew his brothers would come back for Shimon. He was a fellow Ben Leah. But the question is, how would they react when Yosef would try the same trick on Binyamin? Did the Bnei, did the Bnei Yaakov, did they, have, they, have they done a full teshuva? And would they now see a personal responsibility for the son of their father as though he was their own brother? And this charade, this test, is the story of Parshas Miketz when we get to it. Now, if you think about it, that in fact is the story of Shlomo HaMelech and the two women. Because what does Shlomo HaMelech do? He devised a plan. It was a test, a charade, in which he puts the baby in harm's way. And all for what? Because he's trying to demonstrate the true, and really gauge, the truest form of motherly love and mercy, which, 
and and that that would come pouring out of one of these two women, and that would show where the true unmistakable love lies. Who is the mother? We will find out in a minute. Right? Just, just put it to the test. See what happens when you put the child in harm's way. Wherever the true familial love would be, Shlomo would find a mother who was willing to sacrifice herself, her own custody of the child, for the sake of that child. And when push came to shove, right, in the beginning of Parshas Vayigash, we know that Yehuda as well would sacrifice himself in order to spare Benyamin. This is what Yosef sees. Yehuda would, would thereby demonstrate that fullest shuva and that, that brotherhood before Yosef's very eyes. When we look at them again, this, the, the, so the theme and the deeper connection between the, the Parsha Shavu and the Haftarah is really incredible. Both stories describe two brilliant monarchs on a serious mission in which they are devising a plot of some sort to determine if the quote-unquote defendants in question truly possess the attributes of altruistic self-sacrifice when it comes to the well-being of a family member, whether they love that family member or not. And even even though the Haftarah is, you know, even though we don't always get to read this Haftarah, but if we miss this theme, you will not be able to understand Parshish Miketz. And the, if you think about it, the lesson that's, that's highlighted is clear, and it's crucial. You know, if there's love, then there's family. And if Klai Israel is supposed to try, uh, we're supposed to try to be a true family, then despite the differences between the individuals, we, you know, within that family, we'll be able to. Now, one place where the Parsha and the Haftarah depart is the difference between parental love and brotherly love. Right, parental love is natural and easy, but love between half-siblings of rival mothers is a bit more challenging. But it's obviously necessary if we want to succeed as a people who are all children of one Father in Heaven, of Yenushevashimayim. And what we have to do is learn to develop an altruistic sense of familial love. And then, if we do so, we'll be ready to make sacrifices for each other. And if we are willing to act brotherly towards the sons of our father, right, um, who is our father and our king, so then, Be'ez Hashem, we will be treated favorably in that court case in Shemayim. So, I hope this has enlightened you a bit. I think the conversation can go even longer, but for now, I think this will, will do. So we should definitely all be zochah to... And be true to truly become family, make those sacrifices for one another, and develop that sincerest brotherly love. And Hashem should redeem the entire family of Klaistral. In the Shapin Sud, and Dezim Shiach, and Hirabiamina. Okay, that's all the time we have left for this Real Talk Torah, or this Real Talk Haftar. In the meantime, keep it real, keep talking, and most importantly, keep the Torah. Thank you for joining us at the database.